Well, we've got a big trip coming up because we're going back to Texas for for a, a, a long spell, as they might say, uh, which which I'm I'm very much so looking forward to it. And uh, uh, my daughter, as my dad used to say, my middle daughter, which I, I've heard myself saying that every now and then. I'm like, God damn it, you just become your parents. What the fuck is happening? But I guess oh, that's just, the worst. Like yeah. you, I hear myself commenting on something. I was like, I sound like my dad. And now, just, like that seems just kind of factual, though. Like you do have to, like when you're know, identifying the child, like you, you I mean, order. Is oh yeah, the, normal, the middle right? daughter. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I've, I've, and now also the thing is, like, whenever I, I, uh, there's a certain type of laugh that I have, and I'm like, that sounds just like my dad. Oh, so well, you know, which is yeah. fine. I, I don't want people to get the impression that I, I, I didn't like my dad. Rest in peace, <laughs> and all that business. It's just like you know, it, uh, it creeps up on you, uh, sort of, and then, and then it uh, sits on your chest like a, like a cold. <laughs> I sound like I don't like him now, but that's not the case. Anyhow, uh, so we're going on a long trip, and and my middle daughter Alejandra has been telling me that she wants uh, some headphones, and it's not just any headphones. She wants some wireless headphones because I, I don't I don't remember if she has I don't think her phone is advanced enough because she has an old phone. I think there's a hole in it, but whatever. She wanted some headphones. And I was telling uh, Kim this, my wife, and she reminded me that we have a whole drawer full of AirPods. Like uh, you know, wow. that for whatever reason yep. we don't use. Um and so I was thinking, you know, we have all these headphones. Why don't I just give one of these to Alejandra? But now my concern is this. Alejandra's pretty good about this, but these kids often don't know where their gloves are when it's freezing outside. And I feel like, and I don't know, certain other members of the household don't always know where their AirPods are either. So, mm-hmm. so what I want to know is if I let Alejandra use these AirPods, is it going to be like the most fun four hours of her life that she's ever had? Or is she actually going to be able to you know, not lose them? for like over a week what's the uh you don't know they, what, what should be expecting here don't they have the the find my phone i think it works for airpods yeah they yeah so there's that that's, yeah i mean because i i i too have a uh, uh daughter who likes to lose things um and yeah we've used that many times I like well, now you're listen, going here, though. Maybe what I need to do is attach an air tag to each. I was going to say this is. Uh, I just got air tags because we're actually going to take a trip here next week, myself, mm-hmm. and I'm not as far, but uh, I got the the four pack. Actually, it was an early Christmas gift, right? And sure enough, I I told my wife, it's like you know one of the things we're going to quote give my son is a AirPods case that has you know a basically a holder for the air ta- the uh, the air oh, tag, yes. so it just like yeah. plugs in there. So I would say if you. If if and when you give them to her, like one, yes, they will definitely be lost. I can confirm that one hundred percent. So you either have to make sure you've given her like old ones, maybe ones that you don't care about, or just you know, it, it, quote unquote, expect it to be like a little life lesson. Or you can use the find my if if they are charged, but like I don't think it doesn't work that well, right? Especially yeah. when the kid is like, you're like, where? Like it works well if you've maybe lost them. You know, you're just in trying to room. figure was it at home or in the <laughs> car, right? Yeah. When a kid yes. loses them, they're like. I don't know. It could have been Scheiple, Austin, uh-huh. or uh, Grandma's house, and you're like, it's, yeah, you know, it's, right. I can't quickly check those areas, right? So I think you need yeah. to upgrade to the AirTag uh, on that one. Yeah, and okay, then I okay. do think for Kit for that age, uh, we had my son. He had the uh, some Beats, you know, but there was like the full, you know, the regular. The Beats, I guess they're Bluetooth, and that actually was good because it's just, I mean, they're just literally physical, right? And they. 
like much bigger, much harder to lose. And also you can do a quick, like, do you have them? Like you can see them in the back. Right, right, right. You can get a, you can get a visual, get eyes yeah, on yeah. it. It's just a lot harder. Yeah. Eyes on it. Right. And also too, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, although I think as soon as kids try AirPods of any kind, they quickly uh, move over just like a just like so any like, human. Yeah. They're like, I don't want this giant contraption on my head anymore. So, so that's you have that. Well, I I have been using Air Air Tags for a while, and they are effective for the uh, where's the child tracking, right? And, and also, <laughs> yeah. and and also the where where the child's keys tracking, like they yep. they definitely work for that. And I think, I think what I mean, you know, I'm an, I'll experiment with this. And I think what I need to tell her is that there's two layers here is like, okay, for the headphones, this, this is going to be dad advice. And by dad advice, it means that like, it's, it's no one's it's good advice for everyone. Yes. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's going to be ignored by everyone equally. That right there, that right there is dad advice. Dad advice is not just for children. It's for everyone. Uh, (laughs) And so I think what I'll say is, there are two places these earphones go. They either go in your ears or in the case. So that's part one. And then the second part is like, and as far as the case, always put it in your pockets, right? Like that's, that's the, uh, you know, part of the reason that I kind of only wear jeans or, or pants that have five pockets is because you have, I know I've said this before, you've got that little coin pocket, which AirPods fit perfectly into, right? Mm. And so just like, they always that's where they live they're always there unless they're charging like it's as more dad advice right like if you, if you put something the same place every time you always know where it is and uh you know i'll, I'll just see how that pans out and, um, and, and, and to finish that 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 thought off the dad advice i always get is did you find it oh well it's it's gonna be the last place you looked <laughs> yeah, yeah what about this yeah. i just i'm because i listen i hear you on the dad advice i think uh some meta dad advice is one you know that advice is going to be ignored. Two, mm-hmm. you know it's like you have to accept as soon as you give these to your daughter, they will be lost. So you just have That's to true. decide. That's good. Am I okay with that? And if I'm not, don't give it to her. And then three, going the extra step would be like, if you're if either consider the AirTag case or lanyard, give her a thing mm. and may, let her put it on lanyard. Especially if oh, you're going to be That's good. if it's going to be an airport thing, mostly like yeah. Put it on your, you know, mm. put it around your neck. That way it's right in front of you. You have them. And then that's because a lanyard, if you really want, I actually find this future like for kids, like if you really want them not to lose it, like the lanyard seems to work the best. I like it. Like now that, whatever. that is, I'm writing that down, lanyard, because that, so the lanyard, you know, they have bike keys and, yeah. and, and what you want in a bike key situation. Now we've, we've covered this before that there is a ring lock on Dutch bikes whatever you can go look up in the back catalog what's going on there but you need a key and uh the kids are actually very good at keeping track of their bike key on a lanyard uh yep. now alejandra has a combination lock now so she doesn't need that but and also you put the you put the air tag on the lanyard so the lanyard is like your your child management platform right like absolutely it's, it's... absolutely and in fairness <laughs> to the children i think the problem they have much like uh women's clothes it's like the pockets are not usually as good, right? right? right. And, and it's like, okay. that's the issue, right? And they don't want to like, so, so I think so we, so we need to, I, I hadn't even considered that there are AirPod case cases. Uh, yes. that, that, oh, I so got one. Put, I'll get it for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you put that on the lanyard, you put a house key on the lanyard, you put an air tag on the lanyard and uh, wow, that's a lot, a lot of lanyarding. 
uh, but platform. Like I, it's it, that's what it's here for. It's platform, yeah, absolutely, yeah. it's a platform. And then, but again, you have to assume eventually they're going to lose that. But it's like, well, you've done your best at that point. You, you know, what yeah. else could you have done, right? You know, you went full redundancy. Sometimes acts of nature happen. You just have to accept the outage. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like how I've come after all these years to think about their lunch, right? Like I make the kids' lunches, you know, when I'm around, and uh, they'll come home. And every now and then, you know, you open up the lunch and you empty it and like they haven't eaten anything, let alone the centerpiece that I'll make for the lunch. Right. Like the, and and uh, I, I got some advice recently from some source and it was just like, you know, you got to make their lunch and then your job is done. Like whatever happens to the lunch afterwards, don't think about it. It's oh, not your responsibility. Don't don't uh, don't get involved in it. You make it. And if they don't eat any of it and you throw it away, you did your duty and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, would you rather they told you they just threw it away at school? You don't, you just, mm. yeah, just don't worry about it. Let it go. I like that. Although, you know, it's best to hear about a kid's lunch when they come home and they're like, one of my friends really liked this part of my lunch today. Yes. They were very excited about, <laughs> about the couscous your lunch that you put in for there. Funyuns. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you wanted. Like, you know, they, they like, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, and Angelica was excited about the couscous that I had in here. And then you want to be like, yeah, it is pretty fucking exciting, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe you should start eating it instead of just like, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no crust or whatever the fuck, right? Like, you know, you expand your... I don't talk to my kids like that. <laughs> just, 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 just to be clear. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I would love for them to expand. The eternal monologue, though, it's there. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 the little that's that's the uh, the meta dad in my head trying to oh uh, dad me. That guy's kind of awesome. Yeah, I guess so. That guy go fuck himself. But you know, but where's he gonna go? He's in my head. He he can't uh, he can't bust out of it. I, we can't we can't do much about that. <clears throat> well, so it looks like finally, uh, I know I know we have been a, a close coverer of. I don't even know if this is related, but, you know, the Pentagon, the U.S. Pentagon had this Jedi contract, which just like that must have been a delightful. Are there any other Pentagons? Uh, well, I guess there's like <laughs> there's like Satan's Pentagon. That that must be around. <laughs> but, you know, I guess that's a pentagram, but a yeah, pentagram yeah. would fit in a you pentagon. Get, you have right? a pentagon with a pentagram on the roof. Mm, mm. This is something to consider. Now, isn't there one pentagram that's actually like uh, good? It's an upside down pentagram that you put the horns on top. That's like the the, the Lord of Darkness symbol or something. This you know, it'll probably come as no surprise. Probably become as no surprise that you know when I was when I was like a, a what they call a tween nowadays. I spent a lot of time in half price books looking through the occult book section. Oh yeah, back back in the old satanic panic days. You were like, yeah, you know, just how can I get in on this action? Just always hoping for like, you know, a rare Crowley edition or something like that. And I once found a paperback edition of the uh, supposed Necronomicon in a, uh, you know, one of those drugstore carousel like paperback formats. (laughs) Because that's where it's going to (laughs) be. Well, you know, just that paperback. Like that's not a trade paperback. It's uh, whatever that is, a pocket paperback, I think. Anyhow, it looks like there's finally been a selection out of the vendors um, and they, they have chosen all of them. I think is who the, the contract has been. <laughs> so, so, to. so they didn't actually make a choice. Well, they got. So, I guess just to recap the news. So, I think the original contract went to was it Microsoft, right? And then yeah, that's right. I think after allegedly it was going to go to AWS, then the Trump administration right. stepped in. Then it went to Microsoft. 
then a whole lot of lawsuits happen, like many, well, Oracle right? complained. Yeah, well, I, I yeah. think I, I still know Oracle complained, complained and like sponsored the the Trump tech launch or something like that. Yeah, so and, there was you know, a lot of complaints as, as a as a uh, sponsor of the. So they said that they would go back, they would break the contract into smaller amounts, which I think is still huge at $9 billion, but I think it is significantly less. And so the, the news is Google, Oracle, Amazon, and Microsoft collectively awarded the $9 billion Pentagon cloud deal or deals. So, so this is clearly, I think this is a great, this is like the most, um, the largest digital transformations slash CIO at least one that I know of, right? And I think it's just a good example of like, people always say it's about culture and you've got to do the right thing and things like that. And I, it does seem like collectively, no one involved in this can possibly be happy. Like the vendors, <laughs> if they're not going to get anything, I guess they want something, but no vendor wants to work with three of their competitors, right? Because think of all the integrations. And then think about if you're on the other end, if you're the CIO or more importantly, the IT groups inheriting this, it's like, what a nightmare, right? I mean, you know, I know there's multi-cloud. I know people want to use multiple clouds. Like I get that, but I'm like, can you, I mean, staring this in the face, like just learning all of these together, right. Would be almost impossible. I think well, to use luckily, them efficiently. Luckily the government pays top dollar and they'll get nothing but the best candidates. <laughs> True. No, but it does. It just seems like one of these things where like everybody can see. And I think this is good. I don't know. It does seem like on a smaller scale, you, you encounter this all the time. Like, from the outside and even from the inside, I think everyone can see this is going the wrong direction, but no one can fix it, which is like an interesting, I think, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I know Coach, you talk a lot about digital transformation in your talks and stuff, but there is this moment where it's like, no, we, I mean, there, I don't know, to me, there is a moment, I, maybe I'm being more defeatist here, where it's like, no, we, we couldn't defeat the bureaucracy, right? It just couldn't happen, right? You're just going to have to look at this and say, like, I was thinking to myself, what would I do if I was, you know, involved in this? I think I would say something like, well, maybe we can at least kind of like for different, you know, groups or different applications or like come up with some way to segment it and be like, well, we're going to run all of X in Oracle and we're going to run all of this in Microsoft. So you almost create like little islands within the organization mm. and be like, yeah. that way you would at least have some way to manage it and say like you, because think about how big the teams are in the Pentagon and be like, okay, for this group, you know, all of you are going to use this. And maybe you don't love it. Maybe it's like you, you prefer a different cloud, but at least all of you in this one group will be in one environment and we can build that application. And this other group that's maybe not as related to you is, you know, they're going to use a different one. So you can at least find a, a path to like specialization to have some possible success. Well, but I don't know. And, that. and, that, and uh, you can sugarcoat it, right? You can <laughs> say, oh, we're, we're using the best of each platform. You know, so you, we're going to get, you know, or or Oracle SASs from Oracle. <laughs> we're we're going to get, you know, big data processing from Google. We'll get our AI from Amazon, you know, whatever. And and so you'll, you know, say like, oh, trying to polish this turd and, and, and say like, you know, oh, we're, we're yeah, nothing but the best of the best from each, but it's going to be a pain. It's just more, it's more bureaucracy for a huge bureaucracy. Now, now you two pay a lot closer attention to this at, at the, the, uh, the technical level than I do, and as far the the level of usage, and I feel like let's 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 uh, let's as they say step back a little bit and let's ask a broader question: is is it is there really any reason, you know, other than like there's always reasons, but is there like a reason why the default case shouldn't be pick one cloud? Like, does it actually make no. sense? Like, 
because I my my intuition is that you should just pick one cloud. That should be your pretty much what you should do, unless like you come up with a compelling reason not to. And like you know, it's it's like any sort of like IT stack selection is that you may get local optimization with any given component, but if you look at the system as a whole, you're just going to have problems if you have a bunch of different things, right? I and agree. so yeah. so you you compromise for perfection. Is, is is the direction that you want to go in. And it seems like it just seemed like like the other the other side of this is is I feel like let's say that this is the way the as they would say the private industry worked, where you would go through a POC to like as a private company, like uh uh I don't know, let's say like uh you know toothpaste uh conglomerate just to make up a company, like, you know, toothpaste and um and toothpick conglomerate. They they have been going through a, a process to select uh, a, a cloud, and then they select one cloud, and then the other vendors they were going to buy from like sue them, and then there's a year, and then they end up buying like you know signing a contract with all three clouds. I figure like it feels like if you went to court over that, the judge would be like, no, right? Like <laughs> like this this doesn't make sense, and yet for some reason, like it's just like with the government. It can be like this can be the outcome that 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 you have. Whereas, well, like, yeah. it, it feels like a judge would be involved and say, like, no, like this doesn't yeah. like this wouldn't make sense for GM or for like you know British Telco or for like I don't know NTT doc whatever or like well, like well, anything. Yeah, clearly, it, clearly, more private you know more more sellers need to have lobbyists on the buyers front. You know, people who are like you know oh well. Mm. You know, you you uh, you might want to buy you know, our our competitions, but let me take you out to golf and you know sponsor your pack and make sure you get reelected. That doesn't you know it's it's a yeah. totally different world. It's got its own different corruption. Now now Brandon did bring up a good point: is we have very little details about the arrangement here. Oh right? yeah, it could it, yeah. it could be that like eight point five billion dollars goes to one of them. Right. And then, and then you just kind of like are, are you know you're you're you know buying like a few tiny things from from the other the other folks involved. Who knows? Or well, that, or it that could was, that was a good correction at the very bottom. It said the original version of this said each each vendor got nine billion, oh. <laughs> and that, that would have been yeah. Now it's like it's a lot more palatable when when you think about like well, hopefully you know Amazon or you know. One of the vendors is pulling eight eight point five billion, and the others are getting like you know integration fees, you know to, right. to support whatever. Now, now to go back to this multi cloud thing. Now, I I read a lot of the surveys, and you read what people have, and they all have multiple types of infrastructure to generalize it even more, whatever it may be. Like that's just the state of affairs. But now, Brandon, you you also look at this a lot. Like like, what is your sense for like? If you are doing the general strategy, again, there's always going to be exceptions, but like, are you going to advise people just like pick one cloud or are you going to be like, you know what you should do is you should build out whatever cloud you want from all the components, whatever, whatever solution you need from the various components or, or what, what's your default position? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you definitely usually want to start like, hey, can we do it simple? Let's start with one vendor. But I will say with the customers and clients I, I work with, it is pretty common for them to have usually two clouds. Like you go start talking to them and like it's usually multiple departments though, right? They'll say, well, this app group is using Microsoft and this app group is AWS. And it's usually those two, right? And mm -hmm. they will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so sometimes they are talking about consolidating and sometimes 
there is some reason. And now, you know, this is the whole thing. Like we're, I think in this case, we're rightfully picking on the government, but if you kind of probe inside a lot of these enterprise clients, like it's somewhat political too, right? There's not always like a good reason. Like, you know, Microsoft had a better relationship with this group and they ended up, you know, going that way and vice versa with AWS. So that is pretty common. But then you also get into on the legacy side or, you know, whatever you want to call it, just how applications are deployed. It's, you know, this is your world, Cote. It's like, you know, everyone has VMware, right? Everyone has that. And everyone wants to talk about, well, what what are my choices? You know, there's the initial, initial question like, well, do they want to try to migrate away from VMware? And some apps maybe yes, maybe no, but there's always going to be, we need to run VMware. And then there's the decision point is like, okay, what are the options, right? And so this is where you've got, like with VMware, you can like run it anywhere, right? Like Amazon's got a deal, you can do it on uh, Azure, you can do it in-house, you can do it. So, so when you start talking about that, that's pretty common. So I wouldn't, you know, it's pretty common to have like, and then you could throw OpenShift much smaller, right? But like if someone's committed to that, then there's a question there. It's like, okay, where should I run the OpenShift application? So there is a place around when you start getting into the apps, and maybe that's the easiest way to think about it. If the apps are a proxy for the business value, hopefully they are. That's a, <laughs> that's a whole discussion to, to itself. But then there's a little bit of like, where's the best way for me to run this application? And most people want to start with minimal change. Right. So I just, mm. you know, even though, and this is where they get, we all give the talk about you're only going to realize the benefits of the cloud if you like re architect them and, you know, you tr- go cloud native. And like we've all yeah, given but- this digital transformation talk. And then at the end, they'll say, like, that's great, Brandon. Now, if we need to do this by next month <laughs> and I need to get, and I don't want anything to change, what would you do? And I'd say, okay, uh, well, and, okay. and then you say, that is great. We should do it that way. It's going to make repatriation easier. Right. And so, so there's always that. So, so I do think, you know, uh, and coming to that, and that's why it's like when you dig into this to be, you know, a very optimistic take on the Pentagon would be like, well, I would, I would, if I was in charge, I'd be like, hey, everyone send me your applications. I'd be like, get, let's get the list of all the applications. The first one, first group is like all the Oracle applications. Guess where we're going to run those in Oracle. That's like, you know, step one. And then two would be, all right. Who wants to stay on VMware and uh, will not let VMware go under any circumstances? Then we'd be like, okay, now I'm going to start giving me all those applications. And I'd start to figure out like, okay, where does that want to go? And then I'd be like, who, who's in for going cloud native? Who actually listened to Kote talk and is actually really willing to, to decompose their applications and wants to do that? And like, okay, so then we're going to get that list. You know? So that, that would be a way to start to kind of grade this out and say, okay, well, this is mm-hmm. where we think we should do that. Um, and then, you know, and then I think then just some generalized preferences. So, so I guess to kind of summarize all that is like, it's not crazy that they have a couple of them. I think it's just crazy when you see all four and 9 billion next to it. You're just, it just feels like this is going to be the mess of all types of messes. And so, you know, I, I think this is a good exercise going, let's trying to go down the, the happy path, the optimistic path, right? Cause this, you know, I think, I think, you know, you're kind of raising the idea of what if we, could get a buffet of cloud, right? And and like what you can do as the users of this is is you, you might call this a catalog, but you can go to the buffet and get whatever food you need, right? Like are you uh, you doing some sort of high impact lifestyle? You might need a lot of protein, right? Or or uh, I don't know what else. You know, you're gonna you're gonna go on a long hike. You need some food that's not gonna rot. Don't get fish, right? Like f- f- figure out what what is fish hiking. Yeah. So so maybe and now let's also add to that. <clears throat> Now, I, I, I haven't read the details, so who knows? But we could speculate that this isn't just infrastructure. 
This could also be the type of cloud that we call software as a service, right? Now, I don't know about y'all's organization, but through a series of acquisitions, we have both, uh, you know, Microsoft Office 365. We also have <clears throat> the old uh, Google uh, suite of things. We probably have multiple types of instant messaging applications on and on and on, right? And so <clears throat> you could think across the, not only like, you know, one of the branches of the military, but all there's five branches, right? Like all of the branches <clears throat> that they probably use all this SaaS stuff. They probably got some Oracle ERP stuff in there. Maybe even, there's probably even some Microsoft, what was their ERP thing? Dynamics or something. So if you throw that in there and then you have the infrastructure and then you have all these other things, pretty soon you're kind of like, it's only $9 billion? Like, I, I, I don't really <laughs> see how deal. this is like... As a taxpayer, this feels great. And so, so also, I mean, if you're... You know, again, we have to see the details, which we will never see. I'm sure we could find some sort of like, you know, 2,000 pages of PDF somewhere that we could pour through uh, oh, and, and do this. But like, <clears throat> I don't know. It could be the case that it's just like you consolidate a bunch of existing projects. And then you also have projections that we're going to be buying all this SaaS stuff and all this infrastructure. You add in another layer, as you were saying, Brandon, we're like, yeah, but really we just need to run VMs, which you can do across all of the clouds. And uh, you have kind of like a minor percentage of, of net new, like, let's call them true cloud native applications that you probably are going to run on some single cloud, but you got all this other stuff that you need to worry about. And then really, it's kind of fine af after that point. Like, it makes, uh, it makes sense. No, you definitely can make it work. I think you're just missing out on the opportunity. Like you think of it, the flips, because the other counterfactual would be like, hey, everything runs on Amazon where it's sort of like every, because I think the learning curve here is what probably the big mm. thing is like, imagine yeah. if like the entire organization, everyone learned, I'm just picking AWS, could be any of them, but like everyone's an expert in this. And then getting back to our discussion like we had last week was like, well, maybe you could have this event-based architecture. We're all on AWS. We're all admitting, you know, events. The organization's so big. And there's like some real, you know, if you will, it's, it's not so much cost cutting. It's more about like we, you know, it's a reduced learning curve and it's also more natural integration, right? Because the other thing that we didn't talk about here is that as I'm going through this app thing, I'm probably calling, you know, Matt or somebody else in FinOps to also come in and say, okay, well, help me figure out because the, the question all the, the people are going to want to know is like, well, is there a benefit? Like, do we use less of the 9 billion if we run, you know, this workload on this specific cloud? And so that's where I'd be like, well, we have all four here, so we have to see if Matt's company supports pricing uh, across all of these things, because that's a whole other kind of you know thing we have to go figure out too. Now, this is a good. Do you, do you ever encounter this, uh, Matt Ray? Where so so if it's definitive that you're spending nine billion dollars, that implies <laughs> that you don't get that <laughs> yeah that that you don't get the um, the bursting capability of cloud, right? So at some point, the military is going to be like, oh. We're uh, we're a dollar over nine billion. Shut it all down, right? Like, and and so like at some point, like if you have like a fixed amount of cloud that you're using, you sort of like like then what do you do <laughs> if 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 you uh, you go over that? I, I I love your optimization, your your <laughs> your optimistic view of the world that a government project, let alone a defense project, won't have cost overruns. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> I think I think nine billion might be the floor on this project. Um, yeah, the, we no, that doesn't really happen. Um, I think <laughs> you know no, nobody. It's it's in nobody's interest to shut you down, um, mm, especially the government. I, you know, because I 
as far as I know, um, I don't think any of the cloud vendors sell like, you know, sell like, inner, you know, like, like uh, mobile minutes or something like, you know, when you spend your 900 minutes, your phone stops working. You know, they're like, once oh, you spent yeah. all your cloud dollars, it's, you know, we shut your countdown. It's like, oh no, that, that is so, uh, that's not going to happen. I mean, right, it, right. first just, off, just, it's, it's bad for business yeah. as the, the vendor and the buyer. Right. Yeah. J- just like all of a sudden the battleships just stop and they're just dead <laughs> well, in the water. That, that did happen once, but it was, it was, uh, it wasn't because they didn't pay their, their cloud bill. Yeah. Um, it, it would be, it would be the, the, the best, you know, I, I like to bring this up like way back at funds express, Arlie Burns, like whenever the internet would go down back in the late nineties, he would be like, well, I guess it's time to go home. And it was just like, <laughs> it, it was, it was kind of like, like a, like a snow day back in Texas where it's just like, Oh, snowing, not going to school. And so, yeah. like, I think, I think the internet, that is a nice effect of the dependency on the internet is if it goes down, it's just like, well, free vacation, time, time to, uh, can't <laughs> do anything. possibly do any other work without an internet connection. So maybe that's the big goal here is like, if, if we, uh, after all this lawsuit stuff, uh, we're going to apply the same tactic to all the other governments, the major governments in the world. And, uh, you know, we're going to give them a sweet deal, only $9 billion dollars. But then they're clearly going to go over that, and they're going to hit the ceiling, and we'll just, you know, cut off their DNS, and then we won't have any wars in the future, and uh, pe- peaceful reign. And finally, DNS will have done something good uh, for, for, for humanity. Well, <clears throat> speaking of uh, DNS doing some good, uh, I haven't caught up on this commentary, so I'm excited to hear about it. But it sounds like there's a, uh, there's like a uh, I don't know, this sentiment going on that it's now day two at Amazon. I don't know if they like, you know, uh, failed to meet analyst expectations that they were supposed to have. Uh, the expectation was they were supposed to have three thousand and ten percent growth quarter over quarter, and they only achieved three thousand growth quarter over quarter. So now it's their downfall, or or if something's happened. But what's the story here, Brandon? What's uh, what? How did how did someone let the clock go past uh, midnight here? <laughs> yeah, how did this happen? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think you know. Uh, as we kind of recap the AWS uh, reinvent ourselves, I think we both, everyone kind of, I think the, the, the take was, you know, the show was fine and all the announcements were, you know, probably what we expected, but nothing, you know, kind of revolutionary, nothing that was maybe, you know, if you compare it to like five or 10 years ago, you know, things have really, if you will, I think it would say sustaining innovations. And so I feel like, you know, out of this, a Everyone kind of has this similar take, right? It's, uh, I know, uh, Stephen O'Grady of a Red Monk, you know, he wrote this thing called like a faster horse, which is sort of AWS is kind of transition from kind of making, taking big, bold chances to sort of, you know, if you will, uh, as the metaphor goes here, right? So sort of like implementing the features that their customers want, which I think they would say they always did, but they're not sort of like, you know, looking for the next big thing. And then uh, there's another article, Amazon's heroic phase is over, right? And that's more kind of about the broader company uh, in general. And I think, you know, the idea, and then of course, in, uh, Andy Jassy, who's taken over as an Amazon CEO, he's uh, promoted, you know, four executives uh, into, I guess, like the S team or their executive team there. So a couple of things, right? Obviously you have the change at Amazon and AWS in, uh, in, from this year. So both, you know, Bezos, everyone's stepped down. So you have two new CEOs running there. And then you've got, you know, kind of looking forward, it does feel like you're seeing a lot more sustaining innovation out of Amazon. And I, you know, and I think, you know, different versions of this article kind of write it a different way, but it's one of these things, it's, it's somewhat inevitable, right? It's sort of the, the, you know, success is going today too, right? Success is getting to the point that 
you're very large. You've got a lot of things you want to do. Your customers are asking you for improvements to existing services. That's obviously going to take away from you doing other big things. Things outside of AWS have been written a lot about that. There's a lot of cost cutting going on AWS, specifically Alexa, I guess is a business that isn't necessarily panning out very well. I guess it's spending a lot of money. So you're seeing kind of the natural kind of uh, large enterprise behavior of like, let's cut costs for projects that don't work. Let's invest in specific features our clients want. And let's, you know, if you will, just, you know, not, I'm going to say be private equity, but let's really kind of manage our earnings. Let's become a profitable large company. And and it does seem like, um, like I have that same feeling kind of watching the keynotes and interacting with it. But, but again, like I said before, I don't, I think it's just one of these things, I guess it's like another metaphor. It's like maturing, right? Like, you know, whether you get a new puppy, eventually a puppy becomes a dog, right? You know, there's just a, a lifestyle phase, right? Where it's just like at some point things get to a more mature stage. And I think that's collectively, that's what the industry is saying uh, at about AWS. Now, I guess what will be interesting to see is, you know, they have such a strong culture. You know, I think it's 16 or 14 management principles, right? And it's always day one is, I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's exactly one of them, but it's close, right? Um I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if the people at AWS believe that. I don't know, Matt. What, what do you think? What, what's your take? I, I, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Amazon, uh, the 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 day one uh, um, folks probably don't like being told that Amazon is now a dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> True. Probably but, not a good metaphor. But but yeah, I mean, I think I think there's definitely a, a level of maturity that has been um met and you know but also to that fact you know we've talked about like this is kind of become inevitable whenever we talk about potential disruptors to amazon i've always maintained like it's not going to happen because they're so large that anytime they see any inkling of competition that you know might co-op them they implement it themselves right they're they still have that going right there so i haven't ever heard them say like well we're not going to do that you know, like nobody at Amazon, well, somebody probably says we won't do that, but then eventually another team implements it, right? So um, I, I think, yes, they are becoming a more mature company. Uh, it probably is day two, but I don't think that means like they're on any sort of decline. You know, they're they're a good dog. Well, yeah, for you, AWS you know, specifically, right? I think that's the, the thing. It's like, they're going to clearly innovate in that area. But I think it, it is one of those things. I think it's Stephen O'Grady. It's like, they're going to clearly implement the features and functions they kind of see what, what does it they always say cote horizon one two and three right like right. i think it amazon is going to do as a horizon one as strong as they've ever been right and i don't know cote, maybe you can give us the quick primer on horizon two and horizon three that's probably where they don't have as much flexibility as they've had in the past mm. yeah well so so your three horizons are uh, i forget who came up with this some management consultants probably i think it might i forget if it was bain or bcg but you have uh you got horizon one which is you this is a rough approximation it's basically like your uh your business in the next 12 months which another way of putting it is your core business that makes you all the money and the profit and then horizon two is your business in the next like two to three years like what it'll look like the products you offer like you know the shape of your business, if you will. And Horizon 3 is like your ideas and your business and your products like three to three, four years out or more. And the insight of the three Horizon thing 
and I guess this is, I think Jeffrey Moore also, also covered this, but the inside of the Three Horizon thing is that the problem <clears throat> is that every company is good. Well, every company that survives is good at Horizon One because that's your your current business. And then everyone is always interested in Horizon Three, right? That's you got you got the office of the CTO out there exploring the new things. You know, you're uh, you're talking with the the VC community, see what fresh stuff is happening out there. But what people neglect to do because it's kind of boring and often doesn't have high monetary payoff is they don't pay attention to Horizon Two, and so that means that like once your current business, the way that you're operating, like runs out you're not prepared for it. Like you're prepared too far into the future for what's happening instead of just like the stuff that people want the next year, which I think is a good insight, right? Like it's kind of like goes in that same bucket of insights of like uh, the innovator's dilemma or disruption theory where it's like, hey, look, this is what's going to happen, right? Now, I think I think the thing that's confounding is that, um, you know, to use that line that the, the guy who plays Tony Soprano said in that... Uh, Oh, Dark 30, you know, a movie in the elevator. He's like, we're all smart, right? Like we've, everyone has, everyone who's doing these things have read those books and, and like, you know, knows what's in them. <clears throat> and yet it kind of still happens, starts, you know, keeps happening, not over and over, but when it happens at a company that you screw up your, your three horizons planning, or you allow yourself to be like disrupted, you know, us on the outside are like, could I, could I, um, you know, with your local library, you can check out books for free. And these ones, these ones probably you don't have to put on hold because they're not thrilling, right? But you could just read those. And we could even send you like the Git abstract uh, summary of them. And so I think like probably like if, if, um, if any company, especially like a company like, like AWS, I don't know about the rest of Amazon, but you know, if they wanted to move to day two, like all they have to really do is figure out how to uh, either implement or absorb new ideas. And this is where like, I don't, I don't know what the jokey number is, but they've demonstrated that if you're going to have like eight to 15 different ways to run containers, they don't have a problem with absorbing all sorts of new features and ways of doing stuff, right? And if there's some sort of like, uh, feisty new open source based thing that comes along and threatens them. They're just like, no problem. Let's implement it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like, like as long as you have, like, you can almost like, I wouldn't call it like preventing disruption because you're not really preventing the business part of disruption. You're just like making your own toys. You just like, you don't even take someone's toys. You're just like, yeah, cool toy. I'll make my own. Right. Like, what, you know, like <laughs> we'll call it Amazon basic. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, you have GoBots. How about we have transformers? Right? right. Or like, you know, so forth and so on. And so like as long as you and it's probably the case that funding and this is what, what makes it a Horizon 2 thing a little bit that like funding that anti-disruption absorption is probably super cheap right? Like compared to everything else. And so you just have to have that on the priority list of like, we need to actually do it. And what, what I, I think what all of us have seen in large companies is the other thing that you have to do. And I don't know if this is part of their 37 principles is it's not even that you have to take like new ideas seriously is that you have to constantly listen to yourself. And when you hear yourself saying, Oh, well, who's going to do that? Right. You've got to be like, Oh, we should totally do that. 
right? Like anytime as a technology <laughs> company, you find yourself thinking that like, oh, that's not real. No one uses that. Like it's a total toy. That's when you know it's time to like spin up a team of three to four people to duplicate <laughs> yeah, it. And immediately it. start well, doing it. <laughs> and at their scale, they, they can afford to do that. But as... And, and and the pathology here is if if you don't become a day two company, you become Google, right? You launch a bunch of stuff that doesn't follow through, and you know, you you, you have to you have to have that maturity of like we're in this. Ah, uh, now, now that 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 is an issue, and and so like that I, th- this is a, that's an interesting angle on on and what I was going over there is then you also need the ability to kill off things that didn't catch on. Right. And and like maybe I would almost suspect that like the issue with Google doing that is oftentimes the things they kill off don't have revenue associated with them. So you don't have the you don't have the feedback of like we're of like the money that you're making or usage uh, that you would have. Whereas if you are charging for something, you probably have a lot more data about if you should kill something off or not. Now, I think another model for doing it is uh Maybe you're only just now experiencing this, Matt Ray, since you've in recent years use you use Apple devices. Uh, but 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 as Brandon and I know, like Apple has a very funny version of this where they they are always about three to four years late to like absorbing a new idea. And they are extremely hit or miss about their dedication to it. So like they might just decide that, like, oh yeah, this is cool, we'll do that. And let's get some of the people like after lunch to implement that app and then do nothing for five years. And so and so like that's a whole other sort of realm of doing things where like but in the case of Apple, I mean, they just literally make so much money that like whatever. Right? Well, so like, does Amazon, right? Right, right. They and, all do. And, yeah. And but but it is like those are like uh, different types of businesses because one of them like Apple is like a fixed menu and Amazon is like a buffet, like a Las Vegas buffet, right? Like their responsibility is just like, we do everything. Whereas Apple is like, no, we don't. Like we only do like five <laughs> things or however yeah. many it is, right? And so like Apple, that kind of strategy, you can put all of your energy behind like a very small portfolio. Whereas like the challenge that an AWS has is they have to, well, it's the everything store. So they have to be like the everything cloud. And so I, I imagine these are extremely different ways of operating strategically, right? Like it's a very like str- different situation. And I think, well, but and I, I think to that end, though, it's a couple things on Amazon. It's like one, if watching the AWS keynote, and, and I think part of this whole discussion is around the cloud primitives. I think have generally stabilized. Like you can kind of get storage, compute, networking, you know, pretty much from all the vendors. So I think that's sort of like mm. where we are in the S curve. It's uh, and so. You clearly see Amazon, as we kind of recapped in the AWS show, was moving to solutions, right? They're coming up with these yeah, like, yeah, large yeah. industry solutions. So I think that's clearly their response to like, you know, we're, yeah, we are listening to customers. Yeah, this is what we're doing. But those, but that's the very, that's the whole uh, Steve O'Grady faster horse kind of conversation. Now, the real hard, hard part, though, is like when people, it's not just that they find things, but when they find something that sort of goes against the Amazon model, right? And that would be something along the lines of like an opinionated, simple way to do it. And this is the only, and someone coming out with a message of like, you should only be doing it this way, right? Because if, mm-hmm. if that got traction, that would be hard for Amazon to uh, 
you know, sort of like the, they're the everything store. So it'd be hard for them to retreat and be like, yeah, actually, you don't need all this stuff, all this, all these primitives, all these other things. There's actually a much simpler way, right? That would be something I think they'd be slow to, to actually take up on. And the other thing on the Apple example, I think is interesting because it kind of comes back to conviction, right? Around like, when do you give up? So it looks like, you know, um, people are giving up on Alexa, right? And it's like, well, is now the time to give up or is it time to push through? Like Apple sort of like, you know, did payments and everybody sort of said Apple Pay is not going to work. But now they've stayed at it for all this time. It's like, that's actually, true. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. used everywhere. Apple Watch came out as like a fashion device that once cost $10,000. And they didn't just, they did cancel that $10,000 Apple Watch, but they figured out like, oh, actually, you know what it is? It's a fitness device and we're going to tweak it. Now it's a pretty successful business inside of it. So, you know, it seems like these are the hard questions, right? Where it's like, okay, is, are all voice assistants, you know, bad? I think it's interesting with all this uh, chat GPT stuff that's come out. It's like, is it bad or is it just about to get really good? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, like where's yeah, yeah. the inflection yeah. point? And so if you're Andy Jassy and you're talking about machine learning, right? And there, uh, uh, or if you're Slutsky and you're like, hey, everyone should be using our machine learning but you're, you're walking away from your, your voice assistant at the same time, but you're telling me to go use the SageMaker UI for, you know, this specific AI thing. It's like, well, maybe now's the time you need to show me how to do it. And, you know, you actually have this voice assistant that's out there. So maybe you need to double down on it. Like, I don't have a strong opinion, right? Right, right. Uh, But I just think that's a hard decision. I, I, I think you raise another, like, uh, well, first of all, who knows what the people doing this thinking actually think, right? Like until, (laughs) until they talk about it, but like, you know, to, to, to use it as a, uh, armchair strategist, you know, to, to enter our software defined talk armchair strategist corner, like, like you're bringing up Alexa versus Apple pay. This introduces like another interesting strategic angle, right? So like, I think like nowadays we've all used Apple pay and we're like, yes, this is the way life should be, right? Like, it's just like, and I'm sure it's probably the same on Android or whatever, but just like holding my phone up in front of a thing and paying based on my biometric, like, you know, authentication, awesome, right? Like, how did we survive until then, right? <laughs> and 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 the, as as we talk about a lot in this show, I think that the reason it took Apple Pay so long is not that the technology was bad, but if you think about your classic Michael Porter strategy, there's there's one there's five forces in that strategy, and one of them is like the suppliers' partners, right? And what that means is that even if your product is really good, if your suppliers are not working well and they're they're too expensive or whatever, or they can't deliver, that's going to damage your product. And then also, if your partners that you rely on to basically get to market are non-existent or hostile, your product is also not going to get to market, and so. I don't know how what what happened, but it took a long time, especially in the states, before like just the terminals there were to pay for, right? And probably for Mastercard, I think the word they use is rails, but for Mastercard to put the rails in place globally so that you could actually use Apple Pay, right? So the technology was fine; it just took a long time for the the partners for the ecosystem to catch up. And so, like, if you thought that inside of Apple, and you also had near infinite money, you would just be like, "Yeah, that's cool." We'll just wait, right? Like, and then once this window finally opens, boom, just like they did with actual iPhones. When you look at that Horace Deju diagram of like iPhones 
in the course of three years in 2007, like tanking the, the Wintel market share, just instant, like in three years is kind of instantly for the scheme of things, just very quickly, you can just be like, yeah, once the MasterCard opens up the rails, we're there, right? Like we'll, we'll take over all this stuff. Now, in contrast, there are, with Alexa, there are no go-to-market channel blockers. Like it's direct to the consumer, the telcos don't block the internet that goes to it. Like they have everything possible. They're in full control of getting that technology to the end user, right? And then what happened is either one of two things happened. Like one, uh, the technology, the product wasn't that good and it didn't become good, right? Or two, I think the other thing, like more of what happened, and this is like what a lot of the Alexa potshot postmortem, it's not even dead yet, but you know, like articles have been recently, is just like, yeah, people pretty much just asked to play music and set timers. And and so like so it's sort of like this product like it was a combination of like not be delivering on expectations and also like people never needed it. Like and, well, and yeah, I, but I, I mean that's the moment like you can flip that conversation around because I think I think this is this the difference between the the day 1 versus day 2 or the 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 sustaining versus innovation kind of thing. It's like okay, all right, yeah, no one did anything. Now, like, whose who's problem is that? The way it's presented is, like, the users only ask for time, weather, and to play music, right? And you can say, well, therefore, they're showing us. Like, you'll have tons of data to show that that's 90% of their inquiries, and that's all anything happens. But the inverse of that is, like, we have not given people enough, you know, questions. We haven't given them the capabilities yeah. to do stuff, right? And if we don't provide better interfaces or better things – why would we expect them to do anything? And now's the moment, right? If you're doing your investment planning is like, do you believe, like, are you taking up that challenge to be like, yeah, no, we have ideas, right? And we think we can get it better. And we want, this is back to the Apple thing. It's like, now that we have all of, everyone has these in their homes, we have to double down and make the interactions better and yeah, show yeah. them. Or do we give up and say, and maybe to, not to pick on Apple or not to just pick on Amazon, like Apple gave up on like, uh, I think their social network, right? They had some social network a long time ago yeah. and they were just like, that's not working. Or, or do they close it down? So like, these are those moments, right? And I think that's like a real interesting question going forward. It's like, well, like, w- like the previous AWS would maybe double down and keep going. And maybe the day two AWS is like, hey, we have a lot to do and we have well, a lot and, and, and we need to make but, more money. Go ahead, Matt. And, and this is probably how uh you know google uh, is approaching things they're like we launched this thing we had no idea how we were going to make money with it you know we gave away this free service that everyone loves um we didn't really think through the monetization uh and that's that's how i feel about alexa was like who what was the monetization strategy here to invest you know you know tens of million you know hundreds of millions of dollars in this ai thing um, that everyone put in their home, did they think they were going to sell devices? Uh, how were they making their money off this? You know, that may, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why like Amazon web services doesn't have that problem. They're like, you know, we launched this thing. We have customers. We know how much it means. We can, you know, taper off investment in it, but keep it sustaining. Cause we know it has a usage base. Whereas Alexa's like, we pumped, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of R and D into it. We really didn't know how we were going to make money with it. Well, I think they did. I mean, everything I've read, I think they've had some ideas that, like, hey, this would be a way for people to shop more and order, you know, order even more through That's it. But I think tenuous. that is definitely yeah. not shown. shown. But it, but also sometimes I just think it's like, you know, this sounds like, this sounds going to sound worse than it is, but it's like, like, cause, you know, 
does anyone on Amazon just use Alexa all the time? And it's like, once you use it for a while, it's like, yeah, the reason you only ask for weather time and, you know, play music is like the, the miss rate is so high on anything out outside of that. Right. That of course, like, you know, you, at some point you give up, like you just stop asking, you know, things cause it, you know, you get back either a wrong answer. It doesn't understand you or things like that. So it's like, you know, they could easily have their own metric to be like, well, listen, not until we can put this in some test homes. And it's like, for example, 99%, you know, responding correctly, do we, you know, do we do more with it? Right. Because that, there may need to be some threshold out there. You know, I think there's lots of stuff you could do that or flip it around and be like, kind of like the Apple side of it. I think the thing that uh, all of these things miss and sort of Sonos has figured out is like, you know, what people really like is high fidelity music all around their house. Right. And like Sonos is like, when you get it working, I was at somebody's house and it's like, you know, kind of like don't have to fight all of like home theater stuff. And it just kind of works when you get it work. And it's like, Whoa, maybe, you know, the use case isn't so much uh, ordering things to, to send me. It's like, Hey, play this music better. Right. You know, replace all of surround sound. So I think there's lots of other stuff you could do with it, but like whether or not they want to, you know, you know, if they do their, what is it? We call them the OP one OP two planning sessions. Like a lot of these questions are not going to have answers. You're not going to have financial models to prove it out. It's just like, do you want to make that bet? And maybe a day one company says we're going to make the bet. A day two company finds out reasons that we're not making that bet. And we're going to reinvest that in, you know, another version of Kubernetes. Yeah. You, you know, it, it, it's, it seems like maybe there's also like, despite what I was saying earlier, like maybe there is like a partnership problem in that, like, you know, something that would be nice with, with, is this true? Like with a voice assistant would be to say like, uh, I need to order groceries. So email me a list of things I should order. Right. And, and like, you know, that would require integrating with like your refrigerator and your Ikea pantry and like all these different systems outside of like whoever manufactured your voice thing. And that kind of thing would be interesting uh, and useful to use. But then you also into the problem of like, yeah, but how's Amazon going to make money off of that? Right. right. Like it, it's not really like those. And this is where maybe like the the um, the benefit of having metered things like AWS comes into play is like it's not that it's all about but paying for it is a major component of cloud, right? Like there is no free public cloud, you know, unless it's a trial thing. It's always associated with paying for something versus like these other things. If it's, if you don't, if you're not from day one, so to speak, tied into how you're going to make money, like it's very, basically you're going to end up doing advertising. Uh, it seems to be like, if you don't know how you're going to make money, that's what the answer is going to be advertising. But, you know, it's it's just a weird like, I mean, even with the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. This, it'll be odd. It'll also be funny if in, if in like two years, like speech recognition stuff is so good that it would have worked, and then, but then what? I, I don't. But know. that's gonna be. I think that's almost predictable. What? Like, I don't know if it's two years, but like, it's very predictable. And like, I, I think you know, we see it more with this AI. Like, I don't know what exactly when the t- tipping point is, but like, it's clearly getting better and better. Right. And there'll be this moment of like, yeah, when I ask the the voice assistant a question, it's right, you know, 99.9% of the time. And like, I don't even think about the fact that it's incorrect. And so, you know, that's why I just think it's like, well, like who, who has the staying power, right? Who's going to hang, who's willing to just ride that out? Or maybe, maybe it's, maybe what I just said is it's 10 years away and it'll just be a whole new, like everyone will give up on this. Right. 
will just, you know, give up. It'll sit around for 10 years and then it will suddenly kind of jump on us and be like, oh, turns out it's gotten a lot better. And we'll just use whatever our mobile devices, our VR headsets or whatever the, you know, the modality of choice is then. Um, and it, but I think that's kind of come back to this larger conversation is like, well, you know, I don't know, like, you know, the, and I, again, I think this is like, I think we, I think it comes across as a negative thing. It's like perfectly reasonable strategy to me is to, Hey, go chase as much of this cloud revenue as possible. I think, you know, you have hundreds of billion dollars ahead of you. It would be totally reasonable and same thing with retailing, right? Totally reasonable to be focused on these two markets for the next 10 years and you will probably make an extraordinary amount of money. That's a completely reasonable way to do it. And that would be a lot of sustaining innovations. That would be day two. And maybe the company doesn't like that term, but it would probably be extremely profitable. Yeah. And, and, and you know, to do like, uh, this is the worst kind of strategic analysis is like, you know, based on your individual usage. But like yeah, with the, the major reason I don't really use much Alexa stuff is just like, it doesn't like work with Apple stuff. It's just like anytime I want to do an Alexa thing, I've got to load up this totally weird Alexa application and go into its like view of reality. Like, and, and it doesn't like integrate with anything. Like, I mean, there's a few simple use cases. One would be, uh, I don't know, it should just work with screen time. And like that may seem like a, a technical impossibility, but it's just like, yeah, just like have some meetings. And like make it work, right? <laughs> like, like, like in the same way that when you open up Safari, it searches Google by default. It's just like, yeah, do that. Like, whatever, right? And so like, whereas if I want to control my kids' Alexa time, I mean, it's a night, it's not a nightmare, but it's totally bizarre. Like, I'm sure you've done this, Brandon, to like go into the, the way that you manage your kids' screen time in Amazon devices is funky, right? Like it's, it's weird. And like, it should just integrate with other stuff. And then like you, Alexa doesn't work with like all the home kit stuff because they're in that other weird parallel dimension of like, you know, home management things. So that doesn't work and on and on and on, right? Like it's all these things don't really work together. And so it seems like in, you know, the, 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 as, as you were saying, like, I think AWS is, uh, you know, there's a thing from, uh, whatever, that famous VC that all businesses are either bundling or unbundling, right? And like AWS is an unbundled business, like a bunch of components that you build together. And Alexa always feels like a very like opinionated, closed platform that's hard to like get involved in and do something with. And so you're just left with like, I don't know, the weird stuff. But again, that's from a market of one person. Who, who knows the experience that other <laughs> Sample people Sample size of one, baby. Yes. And N equals me, I think, is is what that analysis is. <clears throat> well, now, uh, here's another thing you can educate me on. Uh, it, it, lo it looks like there's some rumors of uh, Nutonix being acquired. Now, I'm not a big... Uh, that, that's some sort of storage thing, right? What is a Nutonix? I, I'm always hearing about that, and I always get confused about uh, what it is. Well, they're uh, uh, kind of a VMware alternative. Maybe that's why you don't hear about them. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so it's like full-on virtualization yeah huh yeah for, for, which you know the the rumors uh were out, and and you know supposedly it was kind of like uh you know a, a, they had a i don't know 10 15 years to watch vmware succeed and you know so they came in with a slightly better horse and uh you know it's 
they do fairly well for themselves. And, you know, the rumors have been around that they are uh, an acquisition target that they were, you know, shopping themselves around. And the latest rumor is that HPE is interested in potentially acquiring them. Um, I, I'm not, I mean, my first, first reaction is I'm skeptical. Uh, HP makes a lot of money on VMware. Um, You know, they're selling, uh, hardware and services and and uh you know i'm sure you've run across them in your your day job but uh it just seems you know it, it, unless hp thinks you know oh we got to go off our, on our own way but um i wasn't sure that was a great fit uh but i don't know brandon yeah i think it may I, i'm super interested just because i just think of this as sort of uh you know at the business level it's it's like where are the workloads Okay, the workloads were in VMware, right? OpenShift and then uh, Nutanix has, has got some as well. So, because that is the raw material, right? That is that is the future revenue. Where do all of these workloads run now and where are they going to run in the future? So, if you just look at it like, hey, I'm willing to buy in bulk a whole bunch of workloads that I want to have customer relationships with and I want to help customers to decide to do in the future, uh, that is is always going to be attractive. Now, whether or not HPE should buy it or someone else should buy it, it makes a lot of sense to me with, you know, the VMware acquisition, although I guess it's sort of, you know, going to get a little bit more regulatory scrutiny, but I don't think ultimately anything will change there. It just makes sense to me. It's like, okay, everyone's looking around and saying like, if I want to buy this raw material workloads, you know, now's the time because either you buy now or you're going to have to go, you know, go get it yourself. You're going to have to convince people to, to shift off of these other platforms. So, um, and I think this is maybe the, I don't know if it's the last one, but this is probably the last big jewel of workloads. It's certainly not as big as VMware, right? But it's sort of like the last big one that you can go out and be like, yep, if we get this, we've got a whole bunch of people that are going to be real close to us. So it would not surprise me. I don't know if it would be HPE exactly, but it wouldn't surprise me once VMware gets the go ahead to, to sell itself that Nutanix, you know, is, is right behind it somewhere. Well, there you go. Shows you that I don't follow the market closely, <laughs> even in, even in the same one my company's in. That's great. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of uh, the outsider perspective is that, you know, everyone is always obsessed with their competition and it's like, no, you're success with the, you're, you're, uh, Thinking about the business in front of you, not well. I mean, I think it's fair. I don't know, Matt, if you agree with me, Kote. You may not want to comment on this, but it's just like, I mean, you know, there's VMware, right? And <laughs> like, it's just the amount of workloads inside VMware. It's just so enormous. It's such such a. I mean, it's like the sun, right? It just sort of like, uh, it sort of, if you will, just yeah. blocks out everything else. It's just like, yeah, there are other things out there. Nutanix is. I'm not saying yeah, it's a bad like company, Jupiter. but it it's just a lot. I mean, it's significantly smaller. So. Um, it just, you know, that it is what it is, as they say. Well, uh, do we have any bureaucracy this episode, Brandon? Not a ton of bureaucracy. I just would like to invite everyone, if you'd like a sticker, you know, maybe if you get it in real soon, maybe you can have it in, in time for Christmas, some stocking stuckers, stuffers for people. What you should do is uh, send me an email to uh, stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Include your postal address, and I will be happy to send you stickers anywhere in the world. And we were talking in the pre-show. If you haven't already, uh, a lot of people don't know that we're just behind Mr. Beast on YouTube. Just just a few subscribers <laughs> uh-huh. and views away from overtaking him. If you've never watched the YouTube channel and you want to see behind the scenes, so sometimes people are interested in like 
exactly how do they record this? I don't know if anyone's really interested. Although I think we do get some comments if people want to see it. Go watch the YouTube. You can see the live stream of all of this. See all the behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, something to run in the background, right? Instead of watching Mr. Beast, you can watch us talk. So check out the YouTube. Oh yeah, <laughs> same, I think I think that audience, is uh, really. that that's totally what people should be doing. Just just run us in the background. Uh, on, there you on, go. Uh, we'll on, get to those ten thousand hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then we'll be experts, right? Isn't that uh, how that that's works? How it works. Out? Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's several conferences going on. Uh, <clears throat> I want to mention that uh, at the end of uh, the near end of January, we have the Spring One Conference, which is going to be uh, online, so it's free to attend. So you don't even need to use a discount code, but you should check it out if you go to springone.io. Uh, you know, I've worked with several people on what we're doing there. All, all sorts of great content, especially if you do uh, Java development and Spring development, but also. If you just do development and are interested in Kubernetes things and platform engineering and developer productivity, there's all sorts of uh, good stuff to uh, check out there if you go to springone.io. There's also that conference coming up January 15th to 18th, right after I'll be there. Tragic. And then the uh, State of OpenCon in London, February 7th to 8th, and Cloud Native Security Con North America in Seattle, February 1st to 2nd, and DevOps Days Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, in April. Uh, I submitted some talks to all sorts of conferences, so there's many more out there, and uh, hopefully I'll get accepted to some. That would be professionally depressing if I didn't. I'll I'll have to see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) I was noticing that uh, Configuration Management Camp is uh, kind of the first week of February. I need to go register to uh, go to that just down in Ghent, or Ghent, or however you want to say it. The Belgians are a little softer in how they say their uh, their G's, but that's always a fun conference to go to. I went to the last one they had in person. Uh, it's nice. It's got good topics and hallway tracks. Like I think I spent three hours talking with our friend John Willis, which uh, you know he's always good to catch up with at a conference. Yeah. So you can check that out. Well, uh, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this episode? Well, this week I want to rep- uh, recommend Wednesday. It's uh, on Netflix. It, it seems like you probably, if you're a family, if you have kids, you've probably already seen it. But Wednesday, it's sort of a spinoff of The Addams Family. Uh, and I think it's really well done. I was, you know, a lot of the times we watch stuff as a family. In fact, I would say it's hard to, at times to find shows to watch as a family that everyone is equally into. Where, um, or maybe I'm just revealing myself. Oftentimes, like I'm watching but not watching. I'm watching my phone instead of watching the show that everyone else is watching. But this one I really liked. It reminded me, uh, directed by uh, Tim Burton. So if you like Tim Burton and, uh, you know, like the way he does stuff. And I think the the actress does a great job in it. And uh, and I know it's really popular, you know, in social media. So if you're looking for someone to watch in the fam- with the family, or I don't know, if you just like Tim Burton and you like these shows, check out Wednesday on Netflix. And I will also, for those that uh, heard at the very beginning, I'll also include a link here. If you have children and they have AirPods, here, here's the link to the AirPod case that has the AirTag holder in it. So you can uh, maybe not lose your, your uh, AirPods when your kids fly and go see the family. Now, I, I checked that out. What's the lid control? Is the lid going to pop open? What's, what's going on with that? No, I don't think. I think the lid will be just like it is, uh, yeah. you know, just okay. like it's normal. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, it has that, like, when you close it, it has that, like, little sound, that little, like, whoosh. Yeah, and, 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 and I, I, guess, I, guess, I guess you have double security because the lid is magnetically closed. And I feel like the, the, <laughs> the actual, what do you even call them? Headphones? They're also kind of, like stick in there magnetically yeah the little buds right the bud the air bud or i guess yeah yeah no i think you'll be good i think you'll uh you'll have the 
triple uh you'll be triple secured so it'd be hard yeah. for hard for them to lose it yeah I, I i we've been watching that wednesday show i think it's pretty good it's almost like uh like mild tim burton it's not like over the top crazy there's just a mm. little little what was the show um edward scissorhands like it kind of oh sure i mean it's different i mean it's obviously not the same but like i don't it reminded me a little bit of edward scissorhands i don't know if that's totally yeah yeah it's well it's been it, a while since i've seen it but kind of that yeah. that um, it, it it has genre. some echo it has some echoes of the the tim burton fascination with suburbia which you also see in like yes yes good that's true too it's it was, yeah it is it's like another way for him to explore that that's good good i like uh, it uh, check I it know. out i i have a liberal arts degree so what <laughs> <laughs> how, how about yourself matt ray what do you have to recommend uh well you know it, it we are watching um Shows as a family, but uh, most of our stuff right now is dominated by the Christmas staples, you know. So, uh, mm. we watched Elf again, uh, we watched uh, Christmas Story again, um, we watched that spirited movie. I, I did not like that one, but uh, you know, that my, my pick is you know, go go do those things. Um, but uh, I, I do want to give a, a, a you know, I guess a, an RIP to uh, Mike Leach, he's a coach for uh college football coach for Mississippi state. Most people probably don't care, but uh, take a chance to read through some of the um, anecdotes around him. Cause he was definitely one of the most entertaining characters in, in professionals and in, in sports for the last, uh, I don't know, 20 years at least. Um, so uh, he will be missed. And I was just going to tag on to that one. It's if you really are interested in it, re- read the uh, autobiography, swing your sword. It's uh, it's actually really fun. It's a fun read if you like football, if you like, or if you just like interesting, crazy stories about coaches. So check that out. He's a crazy, he was a crazy character. <clears throat> well, you've brought a third recommendation to bring in, uh, Matt Ray, and that is so, and and you as well, Brandon. I think I think our our Christmas tradition around here is the Curious George colon a very monkey Christmas movie, which uh, we we watch <clears throat> almost once a day. Uh, every time it's Christmas because it's uh, I enjoy it. I don't know if you've seen the Halloween movie uh, that features the character No Noggin, no. but that one that one is also great. Uh, it might be a little young for your family, uh, you know, being Curious George, but it is uh, it's just delightful. The world of Curious George totally stress free. <laughs> like, well, the, the the first movie I took my oldest to was the Curious George movie. Uh, which would have been, I don't know, like 2006. Was something. it, was that the spring one? The spring one's pretty I don't, good too. I don't remember, man. But, but, uh, not the shortest movie I've ever been to. We, we, I think we left after about five minutes. He was oh. like, nope, nope. There was an opening scene where <laughs> the monkey's playing in traffic. We had to leave. Uh-huh. Uh, only, uh-huh. only to be met by some IMAX movie about fish where the opening scene, there's a little fish going across the screen and, you know, 90 feet across and a larger fish came and ate it. We left, so uh, I have yet. Wow, I I, those are my two shortest uh, movie recommendations. That's (laughs) nice. (laughs) It's the IMAX movie about fish. I got. I didn't get past the opening credits. And Curious George, five minutes. Very compassionate about animals in danger. That's that's nice. Well, well. my other two recommendations are. uh, I probably recommend this before, but if you have a sore throat, Fisherman's Friend are great, which I should have had during this episode, but I don't. But there, I actually went to go get the URL for show notes. And their Netherlands site has you verify that you're 13 years or older. So this has got me intrigued that maybe Fisherman's Friend has some method you can get fucked up on 
that, that I don't know about. <laughs> so, so I should. We're gonna have that. a a Nyquil Fisherman Friends bender for the weekend. <laughs> and then, and then also, I uh, I recently moved my newsletter because you know I like to move my infrastructure every six yep. to twelve months. I uh, I moved it to Substack, uh, and I have to say, as a reader, I find Substack nice, but as a newsletter publisher, it's fantastic. Like it really is like. You know, there's all these other these like little independent uh, newsletter things, and I've used all of them, and they're um, fine. But you go use a Substack, and you're like, "Wow, they're doing stuff, right?" They, they it really is like uh, it's kind of like I would say Substack is like the Fireside.fm of newsletters. <laughs> it just has like whatever feature as a producer of podcast you think needs to exist, it's in there. Right. And uh, it's it's great. It, I, I really enjoy it. So, uh, you know, when you're done looking at the show notes for this episode at softwaredefinedtalk.com, all sorts of things we mentioned, uh, things we didn't, you should go. Uh, you can go check out how great my newsletter is on Substack. It's at newsletter.cote.io. And uh, it's fun. You can put all sorts of stuff in there and it looks really nice, uh, quite enjoyable. But you can also join the Slack and talk about, um, you know, stuff. Uh, related to our show, help us find things to, uh, to go over in each episode. And uh, there's also all sorts of lively, fun conversations over there. And if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, you can find the link to Slack. And uh, as long as Brandon renews it every six months or whatever, uh, you can invite yourself to it uh, and have that conversation there. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. I, as you used to say, Brandon, I thought we were already recording. <laughs> We're always recording. We're not always streaming. Good day. That's that's one of the benefits of having a paranoid mind. I've got I've got the the other kind of mind that's you know spent the hours of midnight to two a.m. fighting with CSS. I think we came up with something. I told him I don't know if y'all know this because you may not have ever talked to Barton before, but he has a Harvard MBA. Have you ever thought what would happen if you put five million ping pong balls in a data center? We could do that for you.